You are listening to I Hate the Fins. My name is Keith. I'm your host. I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Zach. Uh, it was a nice summer. We took most of it. Well, we definitely took it and then some off. I don't know that we've recorded since May. Post draft. So, if you, yeah, right. And if you were looking for us to help you get through the summer doldrums, especially during a pandemic, we're sorry. Kind of filled you there. Um, my bad. But we took some time, got away, did things. I, Zach, how was your summer? It was fine. Um, just like everybody else's, though, I think everybody's still just trying to to figure it out. Um, you know, luckily got one or two opportunities to get out on the kayaks and stuff like that. But other than that, like, hunkered down, worked Monday through Friday, and tried to nap when I wasn't working. And before you know it, season starts in two weeks. Yep. Which is wild. I, I mean, I don't know what's going to happen in terms of covid cases i mean you're obviously hoping for the best but we'll see because baseball had a really rocky start there it seems like things have leveled off a little bit mm-hmm. i think they've gotten a lot a lot tighter with their respective ships in terms of teams and what goes on so i mean i don't know i know they've discussed bubble stuff for nfl teams especially i think that's a playoff thing too mm-hmm. but i gotta get them playoff dollars so uh, two weeks out, uh, a lot to discuss. I mean, a lot that went down this summer, even during a pandemic. It, I guess the irony is that it's been a pretty interesting time for the Dolphins. I mean, it's not your usual, uh, I guess, off season where you're just hoping that they're they're not going to get rid of all of your favorite players right before the season starts. Um, but on that note, I mean, this morning they try they trade a uh, Raekwon McMillan. He's gone. Yep, he's out, and everyone keeps saying Oakland. It's not Oakland anymore. He went to Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, he went to the desert. He is in the Mojave Desert now. He plays for the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, that Death Star they built out there, that thing's open, right? Is that thing ready uh, to go? I believe so. I it's supposed to be functional for this season, so. So what do you think of that deal? Because what they get off, oh, it's a fourth round pick. So they move up. Was it like 20 some spots or something? Yeah, I mean, you'd like to see them get a little bit more ROI on that. Um, you know, I was hoping for like a three or something like that, but whatever. It's fine. Um, at the end of the day, you know, it didn't seem like he was very much in their plans this year. Um it seems like they want their linebackers to be more versatile and McMillan just isn't that he's a really good two down run chasing run stuffing. Yeah. I mean, which in the, you know, if, if he came along eight to 10 years ago in a, an odd front defense, he'd be fantastic. You know, Um, he would have been a, a a 10 year long Raven um, and had a, a great career, but that's just not how the NFL goes anymore. Um, so, I mean, you know, what you got back is what you get for a two-down run-stopping linebacker nowadays. So, um, And it, it solves the conundrum of, you know, essentially the two guys that they were looking to figure out how to potentially pay this offseason were Raekwon McMillan and uh, Devon Godshaw. So now it's just, okay, are we going to pay Godshaw or, or are we going to roll past that? And I don't think they're going to make a move on that until after the season. I think they're going to look to see how guys like um, Raekwon Davis, especially because Raekwon Davis is now 330. 
Like he is like, that. he is legitimate nose tackle size. Um yeah, he's but, big but so they like him. Uh, you know, Benito Jones is somebody that has you know had a, a, a okay camp, not like blowing things up from what I've seen. Um but I mean if you don't have to pay Devon Godshaw and you can just roll with Raekwon Davis as your run stopper, then you just move along. So we may see them pay neither of those two guys. Speaking of heavier guys, uh, Austin Jackson yep. put on some weight. Sounds like, what's he up to? Is it 325? Yeah, yeah, up to 325. I think at the combine he came in at like 310. Just like your typical USC tackle weight, I feel like is always right around 305, somewhere in there. Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, Austin Jackson had that crazy bone marrow transplant procedure to save his sister last year. So the fact that he mm-hmm. went to the combine and was 305, 310, um, and then, you know, now he's up to, to uh, let's see, what was his weight? I'm trying to find it specifically. But anyway, but now he's up to... 325 like that's that's some good stuff uh ryan fitzpatrick's mother passed away uh this morning so obviously sad and it doesn't sound like he was able to stick around obviously um i don't you know given the circumstances i mean all of us would feel the same way um it's interesting though because there's been a a little bit of a buzz in terms of his play in camp. I mean, cause he's no doubt someone who's going to serve as a leader by example, someone who can tutor to a, in a lot of the, the fine points that you can only really find in a veteran quarterback. So, but I mean, as far as we know right now, I mean, he's, he's the guy going in so how do you feel about him i mean it, we know we know the story with him in terms of his uh career with various franchises i mean he you for a time he's gonna catch fire but typically things cool off how are you feeling about him right now though yeah i mean he's gonna fit magic like that's just it is what it is like you said you know what you get out of him um so you know the first four to six weeks of the season before the bye week. I don't, I don't even remember what the bye week is at this point in the season, but you're going to see him do his normal Fitzpatrick stuff. There's going to be some ups. There's going to be some downs. It's, it's just going to be how it is. Um, But at the end of the day, you know, as much as everybody loves Fitz um, and that's not just Dolphins fans, you know, I think there's a a league wide appreciation for him. Um, I think he's the guy that you want for the first you know, four to six weeks taking the beatings of the offensive line, getting their their shit together. Um, so mm-hmm. I have no problem with it. Um, I think he's he's the right guy to start things out. You know, just because you have a rookie quarterback that you drafted, you know, first round, top five, doesn't mean you have to trot them out there day one. Like, let's be realistic. Are the Dolphins a legitimate, you know, surefire playoff team? No. So like, just take it as it comes. You know, let Tua learn. He's it seems like he's been doing a good job, you know, still making some rookie mistakes, but like don't throw him to the sharks right away. Let let Fitz take a little bit of the the beating and and the nice thing is is Fitz when he makes mistakes and takes that beating will be able to articulate to the younger guys in that quarterback room of like, okay, I screwed up here. Now you can see what I did. What did I do wrong here? You're right, you can't do that. 
this is a loaded question, but I'll ask it anyway. When do you think we see two of this year? Um, let me let me pull up the Dolphins schedule so I know. Uh, I'm feeling it's around <laughs> the bye week there. Um, Dolphins okay. schedule 2020. Um, I'm so it looks like so it's it's the Patriots bills right out the gate which is going to be really interesting uh two division rivals out the mm-hmm. gate um if for some and, and buffalo is pretty much the favorite to yep. win the east this year yep um so i mean if if it's a colossal failure in the first two weeks maybe you see him at jacksonville but i i think they're going to try to hold off on that um i was gonna say yeah but i'm thinking it looks like the bye week is where the hell is the bye week? They look like they're all. Oh, so it, we have a, a later bye week this year. So I'm thinking uh, if if Fitzmagic does his typical thing where like he's good enough that you're not going to bench him, but he's bad enough that you're like, oh, God, let's let's put two out there. I think realistically you see him versus Denver in week that would be in week six. Um, I don't think you okay. want to feed him to Nick Bosa versus the 49ers in week five. And I don't think you want to feed him to Joey Bosa for his first game in week seven. Um, so week okay. six kind of feels like the sweet spot. If they can hold out longer than that, I think um, I, I'm going to say the latest you see to uh, um, as long as Fitzmagic doesn't have some crazy season up to this point is probably versus L.A. Uh, beginning of November. Yeah. That's actually the period where I'm thinking too. Yeah. Uh, back to McMillan real quick. That 2017 class is a point of complete shame at this at this juncture. Yeah. For Miami, just getting absolutely nothing for your future. The play. I mean, because things did not start for Raekwon auspiciously. I'd say mm-hmm. you know, first play special teams tears his knee. So, but I mean, you think about it first, I mean, in the first round, Charles Harris, that was an absolute disaster, despite our, our best hopes, even though I I feel bad saying we had, we definitely did not want that guy, but we definitely did not want that guy that night Yep. and, and message about it. But you, you always think like, I mean, he's a human being, he's a player. He is obviously. You have to imagine he wants to come in and succeed and everything I'd heard about him said like that guy had a crazy work ethic and everything. It just never happened. There were some flashes there, but I mean, a speed rusher, you know, you know, maybe it, it works for him outside Miami. I'm not sure. McMillan, we talked about and then our Cordray uh, Tankersley, which, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, yeah. And then 2018, I mean, at least you get a considerable amount for Minka. So that's not, yeah. That's not really the wash you view it as as opposed to what happened with Charles Harris. What we get for Charles a conditional seventh was it? Oh, uh, they got something. <clears throat> I, I don't even I remember getting anything. Maybe maybe they did. I don't know. Kibble, whatever. <laughs> so, I mean, and then so you look at 2019 and then 2020 as you're you're looking at those drafts, the the Brian Flores model, the the structure that we've been looking the structure and stability we've been looking for forever. And every time we think we have it, we don't. 
So I'm hesitant to say we have it, but I do think that this is the right crew in-house. I know some people are a little bit salty about the whole Raekwon thing, especially because they thought that they're they're suspect of the skill set of the other guys in this linebacker core. But the first thing you said this morning was this is the highway to Micah Parsons. Yeah, yeah. And, And I mean, like, let's be realistic. A lot of the people that are salty about Raekwon leaving are the people that like play Madden and he's technically the top rated inside linebacker that the Dolphins have. But like Camus Gruger Hill has had a really good career in, in Philly. You know, he saw a lot of special team snaps, but when, when he got on the field, like he did everything well. Um, you know, he's not outstanding at any one thing, but like that's perfectly fine to have. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Um, Devontae Parker's been housing people. Yeah. And every time they show some kind of clip from from camp, it looks like when like if we went to the the playground and we were playing a bunch of 10-year-olds in some kind of sport, uh that's exciting to see everyone, you know, the detractors will come out and say, "Well, is he going to stay healthy?" Mm-hmm. I don't know, but he looks confident as all get out right now. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's a huge thing to to have in your skill set. I mean, the confidence to go out there and, and put it up every week. Again, the question is just health. I, I I mean, you know, we had some questions year two, three, four for Devontae Parker of like, can he put it all together? But like the question of him not being able to put it all together has always been the health situation. So as long as he can stay healthy, like I, I think he's going to be fine. And I think he's going to be wide receiver one. No problem. Yeah. It, you're hoping for him to take that step. I mean, and by step, I mean elite shit, you know, because I mean, it, you saw, I mean, he, people make jokes about, but he beat up Stefan Gilmore pretty good at the end of last season. I mean, that's not easy to do. Like, you're not gifted something like that. So now for him, if you're talking about the next step, you're talking about consistency, like a guy where week in and week, week out, he is the number one matchup. So, it's super uh, weird though that like we're talking next step like for Devonte Parker and last year he put yeah. up twelve hundred yards and nine touchdowns and yeah. we're talking about like got to take that next step. It's like it's more like well if people would have just voted him into the Pro Bowl, uh, I think we'd be fine and just say like stay healthy. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love the guy. I, I'm not someone who's who's been down on him. Um, I've tried to give him the benefit of the doubt. I mean, injuries are. That wide receiver class has just been so strange too, because I mean, like he's had his his injury, yeah. his injury woes. Kevin White just had the 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 weirdest string of injuries because none of them were tissue. The guy had three straight bone breaks, fractures that yeah. like what he had a he had a shin. He had um, it was like a tibia or a fibula. It's one of the two, and then I think he broke a collarbone. And it's just bad luck. And mm-hmm. I felt bad for him because even though I wasn't the biggest fan of his when um came out of West Virginia just because he didn't really run a route tree there, he was pretty much like a, a nine a nine route guy. Um you still want to see him succeed, especially because he seems like a good dude. And for my money, I mean you're not drafting this in the first round, but he is a beastly blocker in the open field. I'm not sure what's going on there, but yep. you know, like when people used to rave about what Jordy Nelson would do in the open field, he, you know, just very technically sound, but could also like lay the wood if he needed to. Like Kevin, Kevin yep. White is devastating in that department. 
You look for more. It's because he's yoked. He is yoked. He's a big boy. Um, so let's see here. We were talking about draft stuff last night when we we chatted. So Yep. We were talking about Jerry Judy. I, I feel like it's okay. I mean, yeah. we can only talk about yep. Dolphins. Actually, before we get into that, with, with some you know, players who aren't Miami guys, um, are you over the Curtis Weaver thing? Because that was rough. <laughs> Yeah, I mean that that was definitely a bummer. I loved Curtis Weaver and I I recognized that his his build was not ideal and he didn't necessarily have all the tools you want coming out of the draft. So I understand where I had him graded versus where he went. I understood that gap there, but like I don't know. I just thought he as a fifth round pick that was a, a good spot to take him and you know you could you could get a few years out of him or move on from him, but like to to get no years out of him, and again to trade up to draft him, to then just like straight up cut him. I was just like, okay, like. But at the same time, I will say that prior to the draft this year, I said there's no way the Dolphins can use 12 picks, and I think they ended up making what 10 or 11 of them. Yeah, they they used most of them. So at the end of the day, like, okay, so you you technically used nine or 10 picks instead of 10 or 11, like whatever. You know, did some interesting things. Used one of them for Matt Breida. Yeah, so, yeah, which was good. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I also I, I don't want to overlook the from what I'm hearing and what I've seen. Uh, Shaq Lawson and Emmanuel Ogba um, are looking very beastly right now. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna take that you know with a, a grain of salt here, just because you have a, a rookie left tackle that's still trying to figure his life out. Um, and then your your right tackle conversation right now is another rookie who I think should probably be playing guard more than tackle, and then good old Jesse Davis. So like, you know, don't take we'll, away we'll, from my excitement. No, <laughs> how dare you? Uh, I'm, I'm not trying to rain on your parade. I I think they're gonna have good years. I loved Emmanuel Ogba coming out. Um, we both I like, did. I yeah yeah. We were keen on him, and then I. F- we were both cool with Lawson, right? Because he yep. was a very real possibility for them after they traded down with uh, Philly mm-hmm. that in 2016. So yeah. I, the, the weird thing then was because he's, I, I hate using the term. He is kind of tweener-ish. I mean, he's got, he's got a, a unique body type for the position that he plays. But I mean, like he, he I think he's got long arms. He, he rolls what? He's 6'3"-ish. Somewhere in there. Yeah, he, he's got that like weird thick boy and build that that I like for sure. Um, and I think I've coaxed you as the years have gone along to like a little bit more. Um, but yeah, he's like that 6'3", like 265, 270. He's just like built like a block. He's built just like, um, uh, what's the actual name for him? In Mario, the blocks that fall down with the faces on them that try to crush you. He's built just oh, like yeah. that. That is exactly can, what he's built like. <laughs> I can see that. I'm. That's been kind of a, an under the radar acquisition for them, just based on everything that went down, you know, in the spring and summer. I mean, the transactions have been all numerous to the point where they've been confusing. But I don't want to overlook the fact that I mean, it could be a big deal and pass rush. I mean, you're you're talking about Christian Wilkins year two now. Um. You know, Raekwon Davis is scary big right now. 
and looked unblockable at Alabama. So I don't really know what's going to happen with him, but it's exciting. Like, I mean, these guys in here, we were big fans of Ogba. I remember, what was it, the back when um defensive line was still, or no, maybe they had changed it all right. When the defensive line was working out and it was a Sunday. Mm-hmm. That's right, because they moved it, because those guys used to go on uh, on Mondays. But um, I remember you and I were texting back and just being like, I mean, we're cool with taking this guy, right? I mean, this guy, this guy looks like he's the shit. Yeah, yeah. Agbo was wild at Oklahoma State. Like his his size and you know athleticism profile was like off the charts. Um, he didn't have all the the technical tools that you wanted, and he still doesn't have all of those. But like again, like dudes that like are super big super athletic if they can put half the technical tools together they'll have a career in the nfl you know you're, you're not going to be chase young or miles garrett if you can't put the technical stuff together but like you're going to hang in there and teams are going to sign you um so at the end of the day like i'm not shocked that he's still hanging around and, and still getting good shots at at being a uh starting player um, and I think he still has a chance to take off. Um, maybe it happens in Miami. Maybe it doesn't. But um, he was he was a great player at Oklahoma State. All right. So we can talk about some of the maybe some first round guys. We can just talk some because I feel like when we're able to make fun of other teams issues, that's where this show really shines. Um, but we we are also willing to compliment the fact that we were both big Jerry Judy fans and everything out of Denver Denver's camp is that that guy is a, an absolute cheat code when it comes to running routes who saw that one coming yeah I mean like that that was such a good pickup for them I, I remember the prior to the draft with the mocks just sliding wide receivers around of like who's going to be the first receiver to go and who what which receiver is going to fall with who and you know and the big thing was everybody had um, rugs going to to Denver. Um, yeah. And, you know, so it was kind of like CD Lamb, maybe the first uh, receiver to go. Who knows? But once it went rugs first, then like the order was like, well, that's out the window. Um, and I think I think Denver made the smart play because they have the big body guy um, in Sutton. They have another size guy uh, from the tight end slot position with um oh fant. god i'm not fan no fant um and then now you have a, a savvy root runner as your number two that like you know if if teams have good number two guys he'll hold up and still be viable but i mean if a team has an okay or subpar number two guy like he automatically turns into your number one and just will roast dudes you know and, and it may not be for for deep yardage or tons of yard after the catch but he'll have 14 catches for you know eight to 14 yards a piece and just obliterate guys yeah i mean when you're the number two guy and you're that strong of a route runner you're gonna get open if you can't then there's something really wrong and they've got a power x out on the perimeter with Cortland sutton now who just has an absolute condor wingspan and looks like a, a catch radius to boot and then yeah noah fant is uh seems like people kind of differ on what they think of him. I love Iowa tight ends. I mean, it's become a, a conveyor belt at this point. And the funny thing is the guy who was the most under the radar would be George Kittle, you know, yeah. but I mean, now you're talking about Noah Fant and then a uh, guy in our Hawkinson. 
in um Detroit. So I mean, I I'm thinking I and now it kind of it looks like everyone's putting on Drew Locke, like they don't know if he's going to take the next step. But I think that could be a really exciting offense to watch. And then the backfield, yeah. which was which was already looking good. Yep. So we'll see. I know I know they have some questions on the offensive line. They got your dude in there. So uh, Dalton. Dalton, what a name! What a powerful name that is, Dalton. Like nobody wants to mess around with someone named Dalton. Dalton Risner. Uh, and as I say that, I'm looking at. I have the shoe that you sent me. <laughs> I'm glad you still have it. Mine's on my my table behind me too. Oh, I'll never get rid of it. Was that a size 16? I don't know. They're gigantic. It's like the size of my forearm. I was gonna say like I don't have small feet, but that that thing looks like it looks like I'm trying to wear my dad's shoes as a little kid. So it sounds like Joe Burrow's kicking ass. I think we all expected that. It seems like he's a really smart, savvy guy. So I'm not surprised that he's already picking up. I mean, he technically already already played in a pro system so not worried about him jerry judy is someone i'm excited to see Uh, the thing about you you mentioned uh henry ruggs i thought ruggs was going to be the first to go i didn't think he was going to get to vegas Mm -hmm. i i was a little surprised when that happens but i don't know that you could find a receiver who's a more al davis um dream than henry ruggs and I think Henry Ruggs ended up being the fastest guy at the combine earlier this year. So, yeah, um, yeah, no, and I mean, like, I think, I think the question started with with Jacksonville there, but once they took Henderson, um, then it was like maybe New York, but like if you can't protect Darnold, like who cares who you're throwing to? Um, so yeah. I mean, it all shook out and made sense at the end of the day. Have you come around on C.J. Henderson at all? No. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate your candor. Not, not, not as a top ten pick. If, if you told me C.J. Henderson went where A.J. Terrell went to the Falcons at sixteen, perfectly fine, no questions asked. I was gonna um, say, and, if me, and if you told me A.J. Terrell, you're went right, where, exactly. Yeah, if, if we just keep sliding <laughs> everyone down just a little bit, I'd be great with all these cornerback picks. Wouldn't that be funny if you played a game like who went where and someone said like to Atlanta at 16. Right. I think we had CJ Henderson going there because I think yeah, we had oh, him take yeah. snatching him up. I think that was our mock was we had CJ Henderson to Atlanta. And if you told me that that spot, I would not have said AJ Terrell. I would not no. have said that. And, and of course, and of course they've shown a couple like uh, interceptions from AJ Terrell. And I was like, all right, Thanks for putting one rep on on social media. I will take that as he's going to be a Hall of Fame cornerback now. Thanks. Yeah. So dude, dude got obliterated by LSU. Yeah, he cost him in that game. I, I hate putting that. It wasn't just him, obviously, because Isaiah yeah. Unicorn r- really once because Isaiah Unicorn took over the first quarter of that game. Like they had, yep. they had r- no real answer for him, but once. I mean, LSU is a smart team. I mean, they weren't blown away, everyone, just because, I mean, they managed. I mean, it was a hand they were dealt. They game planned well, and once they were able to get around him, then they went right after your boy, A.J. Terrell. Yeah, so. yeah. And, and speaking of uh, Isaiah Simmons, you know, now now the conversation going into the 2021 draft is, is Micah Parsons better than Isaiah Simmons? And I'm like, please, 
please stop. Like they're not even remotely the same thing. No, like you're, you're, you're talking about apples and like a nice, a, a, a nice smoked ham. Like they're two different things. Yeah. That's a weird comparison. But, uh, but there's they're that different. Like they're just so totally different. Like just because they technically play the same position, like, you know, again, it, you can't compare the same thing just because they have one label. I don't know. I haven't really seen too much from Makai Becton, but I'm assuming that I saw the picture of him in camp. I think he was standing next to Jameson Crowder. It looked like he could. Eat yeah, him. his son. Yeah, right. Take, take your kid guy. to work day. <laughs> oh man, Makai Becton. I like how everyone was like, he's not a legit six eight. I was like, does it matter at that point? No, not at six, all. Six seven and three quarters, or six seven and a half. You're freaking huge. Like you're a tall guy. Like I mean, I'm I'm not a short person, and I would look like a little kid standing next to him. Yeah. So. The uh, the other huge dude was um Isaiah Wilson, and like there's always that like offensive lineman that like the week before the draft there's a run up, and it's like yeah I'm hearing this guy's gonna go in the first round. And when they were saying Isaiah Wilson, all I could think about was the Dolphins having um what was their uh, Jordan Love what uh, 26 they had 26, and all I was thinking is like oh my god all these offensive tackles are going to go and the Dolphins are going to take freaking Isaiah Wilson at 26. Yeah. Um, and then they didn't, which is nice. Oh, I actually, I forgot about the whole Jordan Love thing until I saw uh, um, a random TV when I was out earlier today. So they had um, Packers camp going and I saw it and yeah. I was just like, oh crap, I complete, I've just been so abs- just completely absorbed in my own life that I completely forgot about the Jordan love drama. But the important thing they didn't take Isaiah Wilson, which I mean, I don't even say this often, but in terms of you hated that pick, you absolutely, you were disgusted when that selection was made. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted nothing to do with him whatsoever. He He's strange. the same thing as, um, uh, who's the, the big dude that the, the, Packers or the Pats brought in and now he's on the Raiders. What's his name again from Florida? Brown? Oh, yeah. Uh, it's it's the same thing where like, you know, like and and weirdly enough, the other gigantic, not super good mover Brown um, is Orlando Brown for um, for the Ravens here in Baltimore. But like Orlando Brown, like you go back and watch that last year where he's protecting Baker Mayfield and like dude gave up no sacks like dude had no problems with speed where like, that's all you're getting out of the, the big 12. You're not getting power rushers. And like, you know, at that size, he's not going to beat strength wise, but like, I don't know, again, going back and watching Isaiah Wilson, just, just ugly technique, like not a great mover. Just he's, he's just big. Yeah. I was going to say that's, that was one of the bigger mistakes. I think analysts have made in recent years was just completely shitting on Orlando Brown just because he had a awful 40, which was what, like five and a half seconds or something cares. Well, I mean, you're going to see the same thing when AJ Epinesa starts kicking the dolphins teeth and, and ended up going in the second round there just because he had a bad combine and stuff too. Yeah. I mean, you just, you watch the tape, you know, the guy's a good football player. I mean, I don't, I don't need, I don't need a workout to confirm what's all over the tape and consistently too. It's not like he just flashes in a few yeah. games. Like AJ Epinesa is a problem in pretty much every game he's in. Just draft good players. Like when film is good, 
just draft good players. Don't overthink it. And, and it's funny because people people threw a shit fit about the Dolphins, you know, essentially not getting leapfrogged, but you know, Baltimore taking J.K. Dobbins the pick before the Dolphins take took uh, Raekwon Davis. Mm-hmm. But like, I was more upset two picks prior that Buffalo took A.J. Epinesa more than anything else. Yeah, that's right because we watched Thursday and Friday night. Um, we were obviously shocked by the Igbo pick at the time, but he's looking damn good too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, is like, they're not being shy about it. Like they're playing him a lot of perimeter stuff right now and, and like throwing him up against Parker and, and, um, Preston Williams and dudes that should be big boy in him. And like, he's not getting big boyed, which is nice. Um, you saw he, he had that real hard bite from one of the, the, um, practice clips where Preston Williams just like ran a nine and never looked back um, for a touchdown. But, you know, otherwise it sounds like he's been having a good camp. He's getting his hands on the ball, which is really important because I had questions about his ball skills. Um, being a, a guy that hasn't played a ton of, you know, first team cornerback reps coming out of college, you know, I think he has a year and a half of it. Um, you know, part of the question was, can he find the ball? Um, you know, he's got the athleticism to get in people's pockets, but at the end of the day, when you hit the top of the route and the ball's, you know, at play for everybody to to take a pick at, you know, it doesn't need to be a pick. It can be a pass breakup or whatever, but like, can he get his head around? Can he get his hands where it needs to be? I had this really weird thing for a couple of weeks after the draft where I, for some reason, felt so sad that we didn't get Jedrick Wills. I had no real reason to feel that way outside of the fact that he helped protect our franchise quarterback coming in. Um, but now that we're four plus months past that draft, what do you think about the guys we ended up picking up for the offensive line? I mean, I right off the bat, I was surprised to see Solomon Kinley's name in there so as, as often as, as it was. Yeah, so I mean, I think the Jedrick Wills sadness stems from us because we had so many draft picks. We talked so much about like Big Tua and then use what you got to use to trade up. Um, you know, and that's the conversation we had for so long that it was it was definitely a possibility. Uh, but when when he went ten and then you saw that run, it was just like it. It was just I don't think it was worth it either. Um, but so. They end up with Austin Jackson, um, and Austin Jackson has the size and athleticism profile that you want to see. Um, he had relatively good tape. His feet are consistent. They're not necessarily in the right place all the time and, and set up for him to anchor and set his body well. Right. Um, and his hands were, if he got his hands latched onto you, he was fine for the most part. But again, he, he was missing a lot of the technical stuff. Um and then on top of that, too, you had all those questions in 2019 of, like, is he at playing strength? Like, essentially, is he just the best offensive tackle that they have in there? And and he has all those athleticism and, and size uh, traits that you look for. But he's just not ready to play football because he had a surgery in the offseason. Um, so I think, you know, I think he's making good progress. It sounds like he's doing well. It sounds like he's on track to be the left tackle. Um, the next offensive lineman pick that came in was the Robert Hunt one. I did not necessarily care for that pick. I thought that was a little high for him. 
I can vouch um, for that. I was with you at the time. Yeah. Again, like good, good size guy, strong dude. Like if you want to run the ball and pound the, the rock, like he's a dude that can get it done. But right now they're asking him to play right tackle. And I just don't think he has that skill set, even though, even though that's where he played in college, it just wasn't his, his best film that he put together his his earlier years at guard were were better and he just has that guard build he has that same build as a a Vernon Carey kind of guy of like just you know put your hand in the dirt and let's go um so I don't know I think I think we'll see him at some point this season I think it'll be Jesse Davis out the gate at right tackle which is disappointing um but again, asking a a rookie to start on the offensive line straight out the gate um, is is really tough. But with that said, um, I think we're going to see Solomon. Is it kindly? Is it kindly? I can never pronounce it right. I think it's actually kindly. I just always find myself saying kindly, but I, I do think it's yeah. actually kindly. I think it's I think it's kindly too. But um, here's the thing with him. So if you if you were judging that pick based off of his 2019 film, uh, you're going to be like, eh, he's, he's fine. You know, again, big dude, you know, put his hand in the dirt and like, let's go to work here. Um, you know, but the thing is, is he was banged up this whole past season. Um, and I think folks knew about that. It was who had the comfort level to, make the move to go get a guy like that um, and pull the trigger on making that kind of pick. Um, but I think if you go back to, I, I went back and watched some of the 2018 film where he's healthy and the dude's just kicking asses left and right. right. Um, he, he's throwing down and no problem. Um, you know, a little bit more of a complete complimentary offensive line um, for Georgia that year. Um, but at the end of the day, like he, he put in work, um, you know, so, cause at that point it was Andrew Thomas left tackle, Solomon kindly left guard. Oh God, there was a, I cannot remember his name, but he was, he was a good center for, for Georgia. Um, and then it was Trey Hill, who is now currently the center, um, playing right guard, who I think once he gets drafted in 2021, he's going to be moved back to guard from center. Right. Um, but uh, just a good solid line, and when you asked him to to you know man block and occasionally work to the second level, the dude just put on his helmet and went to work. Um, so I think that's exactly what you're gonna see. I wouldn't set any expectations of like, oh my goodness, guard spot filled, like life is good, we're in good shape. I wouldn't set that expectation for Solomon Kindly. Um, I think he is a player that will potentially start this year. I think he's going to have his ups and downs. And at the end of the day, as long as he's a good rotational player, that's perfectly fine. Prognosticate something for me. Uh, five years oh, from okay. now. Yeah. I love this game. You don't. <laughs> five years from now. How are people going to feel about the Austin Jackson pick? Um, I think if he keeps developing the way he's developed, thus far um in in camp i think his rookie contract wise i think we'll be very much in that world of like 
He's good. Um, he, he's not a problem on the offensive line, but for what it's going to cost to pay him a second contract in five years from now, do we just draft somebody else? I think it's going to be one of those kind of cost analysis things. I don't think he's going to be a superstar. I don't think he's going to be terrible. I think he's going to be a, a good, serviceable, you know, reliable offensive tackle that, you know, you put the fifth year option out there, really let him play that fifth year and then make the call of like, can we go to get a deal that's friendly to the team that makes sense? Or, you know, do we just draft somebody else to, to take over and save us some money? Yeah. I've seen a lot of people criticize him, say it was a shitty pick, so on and so forth. We don't need the guy to be Jonathan Ogden, you know? No. I mean, the Saints won a Super Bowl with Jermon Bushrod, and Jermon Bushrod was just solid as all hell that season. Like, he was awesome. But he's not... He's not a guy who's just going to blow people away. He was just good. He was really good. And I understand people yeah. say like, well, you're, when you take him at 18, he better be better than really good. I don't know. Maybe. I, I couldn't tell you that. I, I don't think so. I, I, th- I think like the, the way we, I mean, I, I, I've looked at the statistics before. I'm not, I don't remember them off the top of my head of like, you know, bust percentage and, and success percentage based off of draft picks or where they are and all that kind of stuff. But, like, I'm going to be honest, after you get outside of the first, let's say, probably five or six picks, all those guys after that are probably realistically, in an average draft, you know, guys that would be on your board from 15 down. And so at that point, you're just looking for dudes that, like, can come in and fill the role that you need to fill. You know, hopefully they're the worst case scenario is they're good. They give you a good four or five years on their contract that you're looking for. And that's it. And if they do better than that and they pan out where they're worth paying in their second contract, great. Um, but again, I think we the bust percentage is way too high to expect every first round pick, you know, within the first, you know, top 20 to be a, you know, uh, a starter plus quality. Yeah, I was come back to the 2008 draft, which had a ton of tackles going the first round. Obviously, us taking yeah. one at number one with Jake Long. Uh, but you look at a lot of the other guys who who came out in that draft, like Ryan Claddy is in that draft. He had a really good career, and then he, his body started to break down. But when he was at his peak in Denver, he was awesome. Um, I mean, some yeah. guys didn't really pan out, like Chris Williams, who was drafted by the Bears yep. out of Vanderbilt. Um, short arms, Andy. You know, and I mean, like, yep. I, I'm not someone who needs like. We were talking about some of the guys. Remember, like the dudes who came out from Florida last year, and they had like thirty-five inch, thirty-six arms. Like Ivy and um yeah. and Taylor had just yep. ridiculous arm length. Uh, you mentioned Andrew Thomas, ridiculous arm length. Yep. Like I'm not looking for if you got that great, but uh, I I'm not necessarily going to kill a guy on that because I don't know that Jake Long had even thirty-three inch arms. I'm trying to remember, wasn't he like 32 and change somewhere? Maybe 33? Yeah, I feel like, yeah, I feel like he was not like superstar arm length, you know, he was not. You know 90 percentile up. Um, I don't think he was. No, but um, I mean, like, and the guy still stud left tackle until, you know, his body, because he just, you know, honestly, the letting him play the rest of 2010 after he dislocated his shoulder, I thought was really dumb. I mean, I know he had the Ironman streak and everything, but I mean, in, at that point, you've been in the league like two plus years. Like, just shut up and sit down, get healthy. So, 
Um, thinking about other guy, Brandon Alberts in that draft. Um, interesting yep. career because it had played guard at Virginia and then, you yeah. know, goes uh, to Kansas City. Um, but I, the anyway, I bring this up because, I mean, you had service. When I talk about, think about serviceable tackles, I think about if serviceable because it's not necessarily a, a term of endearment, like a Goster Cherilis, fine. You know, yep. I mean, because I he was out of where Boston College, I think. Um, yeah. And but the the guy who's probably the most bang for the buck in that draft, I think, is the last dude selected, who's Dwayne Brown. Yep. Just pretty freaking weird. I think he's out of Virginia Tech. I think the the stinker of the group was um, ah, oh, what's his face? Uh, Sam Baker. I'm gonna wait to see if you get it. Yeah, there it is. I had to sit there and think. I was just like, Sam had the blondish red hair. I was like, Fuck, what is that guy's last name? Baker. There we go. Did not need the internet for that one. I'm very pleased with myself right now. But also, uh, not a great comparison because I believe that man is a USC tackle. So, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. anyway. Yeah, yeah, he was. Anyway, a lot of tackles out that year. But not garden variety dudes. You had a lot of different like Dwayne Brown is maybe six four. And I think he's got thirty I think he's in the thirty-two inch arm range, maybe thirty-three. But just in terms yeah. in terms of what that guy's done, I mean, great career. I mean, I think like his um when uh he was selected, I don't think anyone saw that coming. But I mean, there you go. So and and yeah, and I think I think like if if you're looking for a good example of of what you would hope to expect out of him, I think looking at what was it, 2011 was both Nate Solder and Costanzo, um, and I think Solder went uh, New England picked in that 16, 17, 18 range at that point, mm-hmm. and then Colts picked in the early 20s. So again, like I think one of those two guys, I don't think either of them have ever made a Pro Bowl or anything, but like. They're just really solid players that played for both of those teams for a good long while. And, and we're just, they were just good. Yeah. Oh my God. The 2011 draft. Gabe Karimi's in that draft. Um, yeah. And awesome career as a love tackle at Wisconsin. We, we've already mentioned this story countless times in terms of that beastly, like 2010 Wisconsin line. Uh, the left side just did not do anything at the pro level because John Moffitt was the left guard, you know, whereas yeah. I think the, I think the right tackle was Ricky Wagner. Right. And then the right guard was Zeitler. So yeah, I, I guess so. And then Peter, Con- uh, Peter Cones was the big center name going into the next season. And then that never really materialized. I think he ended up going like in the second round of Atlanta, but of course the guy who succeeds him is Travis Frederick. So, yeah, yeah. We talk, we've already talked about that story before. Uh, we, we love Big Ten linemen on this show. Um, <laughs> we do. I, I can't help it. But uh, I was talking to my brother for a little bit today, and um, IU linemen and running backs came up. And I was like, oh, man, that's like, that school is like my soft spot when it, when it comes to talking about players. Because, I mean, Tevin Coleman is an IU guy. Obviously, we've got Jordan Howard. So, yep. And then um, guys like Jason Spriggs. That um well I mean we'll see what will happen I mean he didn't wasn't able to do anything in Green Bay but um you know and then guys like you know Roger Saffold 
like the classic example of what you're get, looking to get out of IU or um, Dan Feeney's a more recent example in terms of the interior, right? So, yep. Um, anyway, oh man, we're almost at 50 minutes right now. So, we're, we're rolling tonight. Uh, we like to hear ourselves talk. So, Zach and I were talking <laughs> about off air. Um, we're looking to make some changes in terms of our platform because. I'm under the impression that this we use a, a platform called Ringer. I don't mind disclosing that to people because, you know, who cares? <clears throat> we don't have um, deep government secrets going on in terms of the the platform, and the equipment we use. But the problem with that is it takes away one of our favorite things about hosting this podcast, which is interacting with fans, people who want to listen to our show, people who want to call in and tell us we suck instead of just sending me emails. I got a lot of emails from Europe over the summer telling us we're assholes. Did I, did I tell you that? That's that's fine with me. I, I hope I set the, the good old American standard of being an asshole. <laughs> I was very amused by that. It happened a couple of times, but I I feel like they were they were saying that because they thought it was the cool thing to do and we want to hear it. Both things are correct. So that, Yeah, that's perfectly fine with me. I got that. But anyway, we're we're looking at some different um platforms now and there's this big SB Nation um sort of thread email that was going on yesterday where people were talking about what they use. So we got some good ideas. A lot of people use Zoom. I'll look into it. Um just from so weird. just from our work perspectives, I never really think of Zoom as ultra stable, but I don't know. Uh there's a couple there are a couple of people mentioned that interest me as well. But the big thing is if we can find one where we can get callers again, that would be awesome. Yeah, because we had that with blog talk radio, but it sounded like shit. It sounded yeah. like old Nextel phones where people just chew on them the whole time. Awful. Absolutely terrible. So we're we're trying to improve things because as much as we like to sit here and just make things up and try to sound as cool as possible. Really, we're only doing this because we want to interact with you guys. So if we can, yep. we will. Uh, that's something Zach and I are probably going to talk about this weekend. Um, I got to talk to Kevin, who obviously is the ringleader of this outfit. Uh, Kevin from the Finsider, of course. So that's the big thing is we're, we're starting to ramp up. I'm glad we took the summer off. I felt bad that yeah. we weren't out there, but honestly, like all I wanted to talk about was um, dad stuff. Really, my wife found this one video making making fun of like new dads and how they go through like these phases where you got to get an electric lawnmower, or, or yeah, like an electric lawnmower. And I was like, oh shit, I already have one. Like this isn't funny. And then the next thing the dad does is like, oh man, New Balance shoes are awesome. And I look down and I am wearing New Balance shoes. And I was just like, this is not fun. There's nothing. nothing <laughs> That's com- awesome. Nothing comedic about this whatsoever. Yeah, there are a couple. Of, first of all, the, the new balances I have are very classy and nice. They're not like just dad. What, you know, like white high tops or anything. Um, they're, they're not the good old twenty eight dollar Walmart new balance shoes, my guy. No, 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 no. They're they're classy. They're they're nice. I would wear these out in public and feel good about myself. I got them for Father's nice. Day, but I, I picked them out. And that was a that was a scary moment because I remember a pair of shoes caught my eye when I was flipping through things online. I was like, Oh man, those look sick. What are those new balance? So 
that was a, a sobering moment. Goodbye, Pumas and Adidas or Adidas, if you are our friends calling us assholes over in Europe. Uh, Nike, <laughs> uh, Reebok, I mean, Reebok's owned by Adidas anyway, so it's one of the same. Skechers, whatever. But yeah, classy New Balance. I mean, they can't be that bad. Baseball players wear them. Some of those are yeah, pretty, pretty yeah, no, like, no. like Ronald Acuna, who's that stud for Atlanta. He wears New Balance. They can't be that bad. That dude's awesome. So yeah, I mean, I I have like two or three pairs of shoes per year, and I don't care what they are as long as they're comfortable. When I'm on my feet for sixteen hours a day for an event, if they're comfortable, I don't care what brand they are anymore. Um, I've gotten past that phase as well, so I am a hundred percent with you. Yeah, just selling out, just becoming a dad. So anyway, that's what we have in the works right now, what we're thinking. We're looking to improve this show. We have some people who message us often asking about topics and everything, so we figure why not just get these people on. Maybe we'll have Dolphin Fan for Life. I don't know where that guy yeah. is. He's got to be somewhere. I got to find out. I'm sure James, <laughs> James will find him for me. But um, yes. uh, people, I used to get hate mail from people asking us why we, we gave him so much airtime, and I was like, I can't believe that's actually a question. He was awesome. Yeah. I mean, people were like, well, he talks slow. I was like, he's stoned. Listen to him. I was like, I don't care. (laughs) Making great points right now. How dare you? Let the man speak. So we loved his high ideas. He was. Yeah, they were high ideas. He was cool. Like he was. The thing is, he was very supportive of us. Was funny. Had some good, some good ideas. So, I mean, it's not like the guy was just making things up as he goes along. That's our job. Anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. So we're back. Really good talking to you guys. I'm so excited to edit this 54 minute podcast. That's why we try to keep them short. So I'm not wasting my entire day doing that. But this is this is the price we pay to entertain you people. So you can send us hate mail and tell us how how much we suck. Um, We're going to do a couple more this week, though. I think we're going to try to load up before yeah. things get things get considerably more busy for you at work. Probably me. I just want to get stuff out before the season starts, too, so people think we're actually relevant. <laughs> Got to do that. Yeah, yeah. And and, and again, we, we we feel bad that we didn't do anything over the summer, so we'll play a little bit of catch-up so you have some stuff. Um, yeah. I know I'm very much podcast-heavy now, um, working from home. Uh, I, I have those bad boys running most of the day, so um, I'm sure folks would like to have another podcast in the rotation for their eight-hour days at home. Yeah, yeah. All right, so my name is Keith for Zach. Thanks for uh, tuning in, uh, letting us pretty much waste your time, or maybe we informed you of something. I don't know. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.